Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mike Boris. Now, as business owners, we all know this, data is one of our most valuable resources. But as business owners, we all know this too, we don't often know how to use it. It has the power to inform business about decisions and strategies that best suit our customer base and best suit the outcomes we're trying to achieve. But while many businesses are getting good at collecting data, it's another thing to put that data to work. In other words, to make sense of it. Darpan Randawa is the CEO of a company called Talisman. Talisman is a sports marketing agency bringing innovation and technology to sports, entertainment and gaming through innovative partnerships, activations and data-driven thinking. They've worked with the likes of Google, Facebook, McLaren and Heineken, pretty good names. They have created a platform that promises to help athletes and sports organisations by applying the latest data science to drive sports performance and fan engagement. I want to know what Darpan means by that. I also want to know where the hell did he get this idea from? What's his background in sports management? What's his background in data management, data development, data analytics? And how did he get to this position? Like, how did he work his way up into all these big names? Boy from Melbourne, how the hell did he do it? It's a great story, so let's get into it. Welcome to The Mentor. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. Big fan of the show. Thanks very much. Uh, righto, like let's just get into this stuff. Um, I, I guess where I want to start is, um, I mean, I, I, you got your new business called Talisman, or your relatively speaking new business, which is a let's call it a digital advisor on data, etc., to various aspects of sport, racing, etc. But like, let's just unpack it a little bit and go back a bit. Um, let's go back a bit a few years and um, your background, uh, which sort of led up to the Talisman. Mm-hmm. Or your experience? Can you sort of give me a fill me in? Like, tell me about it. Who yeah, your look, clients were, where you're working, etc. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm in a Melbourne boy uh, yeah. originally. Um, so, uh, born in Singapore. Yep. Uh, Dad was a captain in the Singapore Army, but we migrated here when I was pretty young, and so I grew up in Melbourne, and and it was always playing sport. Um, you know, uh, was very competitive, so it was always in me, um, and I knew I. I knew I wanted to get into sports and work in sports. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so so prior to Talisman, I was at McLaren Formula One as a senior vice president for Asia Pacific, running all of the commercial business. Okay, well, let's just stop there for a second. Senior vice president of McLaren, like that's most people's heart on, like it's a, like a dream, especially anyone who's interested in sport. Yes. 
Wouldn't be. I, I reckon there wouldn't be anyone in their sort of twenties to thirties that say well, that is pretty cool. Yep. So let's just like that's you just said that very flippantly. <laughs> uh, how'd you get into that? For fuck's sake! I mean, did you, how'd you get, land that role? You know, it was interesting. Um, I was prior to that, I was in a sports marketing agency called Luggedair, one of the largest ones in the world. How'd you get into that? Because um, that's what everyone people around yeah, around, yeah, around yeah, listen sure, to say. Sure. How, well, I mean, how do I do that? You know, it, it all. If you peel everything back, you know, I'm a sales guy. Yep. You know, I started off on the phones doing telemarketing and I learned my craft. And, and, and I realized very early on, if I'm selling something for 20 grand or 100 bucks, the same amount of skill and passion would go into selling larger sum ticket items as well, which is what sports is. I mean, we're doing five, six million pound deals uh, in racing and, and, and whatnot. So I thought, well, wait a minute, I should be just applying my skill set that and selling something for a larger price around something that I love doing, I can make more money. So I, so I wanted to get into sports, found the best agency I could and um, basically knocked on the door and said, uh, you know, I, I'm the guy for the job. But like, it takes like a fair bit of guts. You know, most you know, courage is a big deal these days. Um, how did you just knock on the door like that? Again, it's, it, you're, yeah. you're, you're underselling yourself <laughs> and you're a salesperson. But like how did you just knock on the door? I mean, like, so, like, yeah, like it's not somewhere you just ring. Oh, excuse me, hi, or send them an email because usually that just goes into the, the bin. Yes. So with McLaren, it was a global search for the yep. role. They had a global search. A but global did you know there was a global search on? Yes, because I was approached by a recruiter in New York City. Right. So a recruiter approach, approached you. Where were you living? I was in Singapore. Uh, you were in Singapore at the so time. I just did 10 years in Singapore back in With Lagardier. With Lagardier and, and a few other um, sales companies that right. I was doing in, in sponsorship. So you must have been doing a good job to get on their radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and when you get to sort of my level and seniority in sports, the, the top recruiters know who you are. They come to you for jobs all the time. So when the, when the McLaren thing came along, um, I, you know, like you, I went, shit, this is a big job, great job. No chance, but I'll go with it. I'll manage my expectations. I won't get upset if I don't get it. You know, um, rang my mother, has all Indian boys do, and say, Mom, I'm going for this. And she's like, You got it, son. Um, and then it got narrowed down, narrowed down, narrowed down. And then they flew me to uh, the UK from Singapore to meet for the final interview. And, um, and I met with 11 people. So I got off the plane on an overnight flight. Um, so I mean, it was a flatbed, so I rested. Got picked up at the airport straight to Woking, which is an hour and a half outside London. Yep. Did 11 interviews, the last one with the CEO, Zach Brown. Back to the airport and flew back to Singapore the same day. 11 interviews in one day, yep. Uh, Singapore, London, London, back to Singapore, all in a day. No, no, you know, no carry-on, was in my suit. And I knew it was a test. Um, and um, we got to the final interview and I know I remember Zach saying, so, you know, do you, do you like Formula One? And I'm like, oh, shit, this could go either way because not, not really. Um, you know, I'm, I like Yeah, I like it or dislike it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like sports. I'll follow it because I'm a sports person. And I said, well, you know, yeah, kind of, but not really. And he's like, well, right. He was a bit taken back. And he goes, well, what do you like? I said, well, Aussie rules football. And he said, what the fuck's that? American. <laughs> American. And... Um, and that's when he realized that I wasn't a fan and I wasn't going to get emotionally attached to it all too much. And that's what it's all about. And, uh, and I got the gig. 
you just said something important there, and for our audience at least. Um, when you said you get to those senior levels, um, the recruiting agencies, when they're looking to fill a role, they tap you on the shoulder. But you were already on a senior level in um, in Singapore and the other agencies you're at. How'd you climb your way up to senior levels? I mean, like, I mean, what do you do? I mean, do you? Question. What is it? I think it's a combination of a little bit of all of that. But the main thing is, this is like like any other industry. It's sales. It's revenue generating, right? It's a so you performed. You've got to perform. Yeah. You've got to do deals. Yeah. So it's about performance. It's about selling. It's about performance. Yeah. And, when, about and when you know, okay, you see, yeah, right. I think that makes sense too because, I mean, like, you'd be the nicest fucking bloke in the world and you could be going out for dinner with networking and the shit out of the joint. But at the end of the day, if you're a dud, you don't make budget or do better than budget or do better than everyone else who's in the business. Mm. You're not going to get noticed. I get is that right? Would That's that be correct. fair? Yeah. So yeah. at the end of the day, you got People to- know you for the deals. And these are big deals. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in doing the deals, that's, that means well, – one is exp- I'd like to get into that a little bit. So let's say um, you'd be appointed to a client of an agent, of the agency mm-hmm. and you'd have to go and find sponsors or you'd sign them up uh, as sponsors. Yeah. So when, when, when there's, there's the brand yep. we would sponsor, yep. there's a rights holder, yep. i.e. McLaren, Manchester City, whoever um, – and my job at the time at McLaren was to bring sponsors into the team. Right. Stickers on the car. Right. Yeah, you got you went to McLaren after, but when you were so prior to Lug- that. Lagardere is a sports marketing agency. Yeah, correct. Similar to what I'm doing now. So but does Lagardere who's the client? Do they act for McLaren or do they act for, say, Heineken who wants to get on the McLaren yeah, car? Both. 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 Buy side and sell side. Right, okay, on both sides. On both and, sides. and what were you doing? So, on the buy so sell, sell side? My job is, so I was vice president in Asia Pacific. I was running the region. We were doing deals for uh, golf tournaments. We brought the WTA finals, the women's tennis to Singapore. So we had to sell sponsorship around that. Um, we managed, you know, tons of athletes from Phil Mickelson to um, Andy Murray to all of those sort of players. So we, so you, in order, when you say manage, you, you're not telling them how to play. Players. You're not telling them how to play tennis. You're trying to get them sponsors. Deals. Yeah, yeah deals. So, you, you know, because I, mean, th- I think this is important. Um, you, you obviously at a young age were able to break down what the business model was. And the business model was, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, uh, one of your tennis players, for argument's sake, uh, say Andy Murray, he's got an audience mm-hmm. um, who follow him, whether it's on social or go to the game or wherever, watch him on telly. One of the ways he makes money is winning the tournament. Obviously, he gets tournament fees, but another way he makes money is through sponsorships. Um, and uh, you want to be able to find someone who wants to talk to his audience. So is that the business model? Yeah, pretty much. And what he stands for. Yeah, yeah. As, as what's a, his message, yeah. What's his message as yeah. a human being? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if he's a knob, then no one wants to be around yeah, him, yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. not. So he, so he attracts a certain type of narrative. Because he, you know, he might be vocal in social justice. He might take a stand in certain types of political views. He might have a, you know, a, a soft spot for, for for women in sports. Yeah. yeah. Um, so breaking, let's break it down. Unpack it a little bit more for us, if you don't mind, for our audience at least. Um, that means you know his messaging, what he stands for, his, his brand. Yep. Yep. Um, and you then, you're a matchmaker. You match that potential messaging with someone else who wants to talk to an audience who's interested in that message. Who have a similar brand DNA. Yep. Yes, exactly. Matchmaker is the right word. Yep. And that's kind of what we're doing now. And, you know, I, I noticed very early on in life that with, with, with a lot of brands, the biggest, the biggest thing that a brand wants is what? They want to 
get their brand out there, they want to sell their products, they yep. want to make money. Mm. Whether you're a big business or small business, that's your end game. Mm. Um, and, and what is marketing? Marketing is tapping into someone who you think might like your products, so you want to talk to them, but it's also talking to your future customer who you want to convince to buy your product. And, and sports and fans. I mean, McLaren had, has 220 million fans that love McLaren. That's a passion point. So if you can connect the brand to a really passionate set of fans while they're experiencing a race or the McLaren brand, and you can find the synergies there, you see something very special happen. And for the brand, that's worth every dollar that they spend. Okay, that, 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 that's a probably good place to, for us to pause and hang around a little bit. Maybe we just jump into the McLaren period. It's like a gift. I mean, like, as you say, it's a couple hundred million fans mm-hmm. and they are extremely passionate about it. They, they just love the sport. I mean, it's, it's, there's no other way of yeah, describing they're, they're it. very passionate. Love it. They, they can't live without it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. In fact, they must live with it. Mm-hmm. And as you just said, um, if you can sort of break that down into a whole lot of emotions, um, if you can find someone who wants to talk to those emotions and who, whose own brand resonates with those emotions, then it's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. But you've got to convince those those people. And so yeah. there's a there's a Chinese phone company called OnePlus. Yep. Um, it's probably one of the best Android phones in the world right now. Right. Or so they say. Yep. Um, so I approached them and said, listen, why don't we do a special edition McLaren phone? You've got a couple of hundred million fans. They've got 200 million fans. You know, why don't we go create something really special? Tell me about your brand. What do you stand for? Oh, we are the our phone performs the best. You know, it's very reliable. And our fans love the fact that it never breaks down and it's faster and it's da 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 go right. Now let's have a look at some of the key messaging that McLaren stands for. You said performance. Yes, tick. You said reliability. You said you know, speed, efficiency. So there's immediately I knew that from a narrative perspective, there was already some chemistry there. Then you bring them together and you get the you get the their designers to talk to their designers because I know that creative people get together a lot better and get the juju happening than commercial people. Once there's chemistry there and stickiness there, they said, right, okay, you got, you want to do something with McLaren, you want to do something with OnePlus, right, let's bring it together commercially and see how it could work. I mean, it starts with chemistry. It starts with brand. It starts with somebody like you recognising the situation, you know, and, uh, you know, you've got to bring a matchmaker. Yeah. You've got to bring the parties together. Yes. And it's got to be appropriate. There's no point bringing, um, I don't know, a mining company along, stand alongside McLaren's who's trying to, you know, uh, promote the, the mining of uranium in Northern Territory or something um, along with the McLaren's brand because it just doesn't fucking fit. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, what you're talking about is recognition of these of these um, emotions and yes. or uh, characteristics, virtues, et cetera, is probably a better mm. word for it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and that takes a great understanding of all the characteristics. And what we're talking about here is marketing. So we always people always say, oh, marketing, marketing. I mean, it's most overused word. No one even knows what it means. But I think the first thing is what you're doing and what people should be doing is establish a market or yes. find the market. What, where is the market? Who's your customer? What is the market? And who are the customers and who are the vendors? And what is someone vendoring? What are they selling? Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of McLaren, they're selling audience, emotions, blah, blah. They're selling all yeah, these. Hospitality. Yeah, they're yeah. selling a lot of intangibles and some tangibles. But mm-hmm. 
the intangibles are really important. Um, yeah. I mean, you mentioned a mining company. A mining company is an interesting one because they're trying to show the world that they've got a CSR program. Yeah. Right? And you better explain what a CSR program is. Tell, tell corporate, everyone. Corporate social responsibility. Yeah, yeah, doing yeah. good. I mean, they're doing so much bad things to the Allegedly, planet. yeah. Allegedly. So now they're going to try and do some good stuff and give back. Yep. Um, so, so a lot of them have a strong corporate social responsibility. Yep budgets and they do all that sort of stuff. Formula One is, as a sport, is trying to be a bit more sustainable as well. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're carrying freight all around the world. They've got 22, 23 races around the year. They're moving stuff around. So there's a strong narrative there as well to, to do, to be more greener, to do better things. So when you put, it might not be a direct fit from a brand perspective, but from a CSR and agenda perspective, you could bring that together as well. Mm. Marketing today is not just a very binary outcome. It's not, hey, I want to promote my logo here. It's, okay, what does everyone stand for? What is, what is both sides of the equation? Who, who are, they, are they talking to the same people? Are they, are they trying to achieve the same things? Is there a match? So how would you advise people, you know, some of the people listening to this have small businesses, you're a large business, um, and you've been dealing, like McLaren's a huge business. I mean, the sorts of businesses you're talking about are all huge businesses. What would you say to people that you've learnt and that you employ that works well for you and your clients in relation to marketing? Because you just said something really important. You picked up on my mining um, example and you said, yeah, but a mining company might have a, um, a CSR obligation. How important is, is it in finding the market? Is it then to understand every aspect? Um, what is it you need? To, what do you do? How do you understand your market so well? How did you just pick up straight away? Then hang on, CSR, Mark. There's a commonality yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, look, if you were asking me this question pre-COVID, I'd probably have a slightly different answer to the answer I'm about to give you, yep. which is we've seen eight, nine, ten months worth of disruption rolled into a very short amount of time um, with this pandemic. Everything is disrupted. The way people shop, the way they, the way they consume information, the way they, they everything, the way they, they, they use the usage of social media. Um, influencers have become a lot more important in the purchasing decision. So the world has digitized. So what COVID and the pandemic has done, is it, it's, it's forced businesses, no matter what size business you are, to accelerate and the migration from the physical world to the virtual world. You need now more than ever to A, have a presence, a digital presence online because your customer is spending more time online. Whether you're a small business, a grocery, a store, a corner, uh, or, or whatever. So I think, you know, to answer your question, understanding your customer today is just as important as it was pre-pandemic, but it's slightly more complicated because they are online more. When they're online more, you're now fighting not to promote your product. You're fighting to get their attention. Yeah, so you're fighting for, for airspace. So it's the attention economy, I yeah, call it. Yeah. Like we are living in the attention economy. And look at all of the social media stuff. Look at TikTok. Videos are shorter and shorter and shorter. I, you, know, you now got YouTube said the other day, I read somewhere, you've got 10 seconds or 7 seconds to promote your product on a short form content because everyone's freaking ADD. So, you know, from a small business perspective, I think what we've seen a lot of is 
bravery. I've noticed this. Small businesses have said, right, we're going to adopt what's happening and, and we're not going to go under. We're going we're gonna to say, right, people are spending more time online. We want to understand TikTok. We want to understand what's happening. We want to understand how do we get a better presence? What's happening? Can we sell stuff online? What is our Amazon strategy? Are people, you know, are we tracking people when they come in? Are we talking to them again online? So it's, it's I guess it's, it's adopting a digital first mindset and it's about being brave to try something new because all models are disrupted. Um, you're saying that as a result of last year, the disruption to, to the way we used to do business or mm. the way we used to go to a shop or the way we used to buy things or interact, et cetera, had got, got, that got disrupted because we had to stay home. Mm-hmm. And, and we quickly adapted and we found some other ways to do it. And vendors found ways to get to us and we found ways to get to vendors. So that's sort of the change. Yes. Well, there's an additional way of marketing your business. You still have to understand your customer. Yes. But what you used to understand about them might be slightly different now. Well, they're doing like, different things. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they're, as you said earlier, the tension span may be much shorter. Mm-hmm. You are, it's a much more competitive environment. So, um, so you know, the, the amount of space real estate left in our heads as consumers is sort of quickly diminishing. So we're all fighting for a smaller amount of Attention. real estate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and we're actually – as consumers, we're all probably getting a little bit tired, to be honest with you. Like, so it has to be something quite in, interesting to get my attention. Yes. Like now. Yeah. It's not just about – well, it is about bravery, but there's a lot of intellect around all this too. Yeah. You, you've got to work this shit out. I mean, how do they work it out? How, do they, how does Crown Street Grocer – how does my mate Joe down at Crown Street Grocer work this shit out? Like, um, because he's now competing against McLaren. Mm. Because well, McLaren's going to get to his consumer too. So, so when I think about my own personal journey in – on what I look and what I flick through and I flick through a lot of stuff. I look at stuff online that can help solve a problem, a problem that I'm having. I can't be bothered going to the grocery store today and lining up because I know it's going to be a long line down there. Is there some, can I do it online? Click, 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 click. They give me a time. I do a drive-by, bang, pick it up, off I go. It's a convenience thing. Uh, it's solving a particular problem. Um, you know, so I think, I think it's understanding your customers given. You have to do that. Um, but how can you make their life a little bit easier? Is there, well, that's, that's one of the ways you understand them because they want, they want you to make their life yes, easier. of course. That's where the innovation comes it's in. Is easier, faster? It's easier, faster for some people. It is for me because uh, I'm ADD and I want, you know, I live in a world of very fast things. So right? would you get your coffee, do you order your coffee before you? leave home or something and get up and like fly through. I mean, if, if I could, I would. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, and, I, and I, but I, I, I do all my conference calls when I'm walking as well because I'm trying to do exercise and that at the same time. So for me, it's, it's, it's Doubling time down. management yeah. and efficiency. So, um, but I think a lot of people are starting to, to, to appreciate innovation around efficiency, making their lives easier. So if, if a small business can, can do that and provide a solution to a genuine problem that I'm having, I'm going to take it, pay attention a bit more, I think. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I can sort of see how it works. And we'll come in the second half of this podcast talk about talisman, I mean, what you're doing with the current mm. clients. But I can see how big organisations can afford to do that and they've got time, people, money, investment. They, they're compelled uh, to do these things as well. Um, smaller business owners, of which there are many more of those in this country than there are big business owners, um, yeah. they 
they have to sort of get on this sort of gravy train too because, I mean, unfortunately, um, when I look at my social mediums, um, I'm getting hit up by everybody. Like it's all the time, not just like not personally, but it's just coming through. So they're competing with for my Attention. my space, yeah, and my time. Mm. Um, so um, they could sort of become like they could become a go into oblivion if they're not careful. These small business owners. Yeah, so I think you know my my advice to small businesses, just just you've got me thinking about the grocer now. So I'm going to yeah, go back. Yeah, yeah, go, let's go back to Crown Street, um, Joe. Yep. There's a lot of really smart young people who've started social media agencies across the country who are really affordable. So, you know, if if your mate has got a little bit of a budget to, to do some marketing, then what I'd be doing is going in and saying, right, going and working with a social media consultant, specialist, agency, whoever. But small agency. Smaller. There's a lot yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. And There's a lot of people who have branched out and they've, they're looking for work. They've got specialties. They're doing these things. You'd say, right, I've got 5,000 bucks of marketing budget. That's all I've got. Um, my end game is I want footfall into my store. Now, uh, what my top three selling items are coffees, Sandwich. Sandwiches and, and chocolate. Muffin, I don't know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's algorithms now in social media as well that a lot of these agencies can pick up. If Darpin Randau and Mark Burris are clicking on coffee stuff or their particular time of the day, they can target that stuff. Um, so his 5000 bucks, if he was to put that towards a targeted social media campaign with key parameters – I want double income, no kids, living in a five-kilometer radius of my cafe, and I want people with an interest of X, Y, Z, and I want to target them at this time of the day, and that's what I'm going to do. That is hyper-targeting across social. I mean, if I was a small business owner with limited budget, that's what I've been doing. Okay, so what you've just said is good advice to these small business owners, but maybe I could just put it into sort of general speak. I mean, and this sounds horrible, but basically – Crown Street Grocer, Joe, if you're listening, Joe does listen to these. Um, Hi, Joe. Hey, Joe. You basically got to profile your customer. I mean, you got to know they live in the area, you know, radius of 10Ks or whatever. You, you know what your customer likes and uh, you profile them and then you basically build a, a clone and you take that clone along to one of these agencies and they'll go and place it with Instagram who will then collect those profiles, those characteristics in the marketplace and they'll hit them up. They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll target them. Yeah, uh, it could be on Google, it could be on Facebook, it could be on Instagram, it could be wherever you want. But that's what the agent, these small agencies, yes. a good small agency will yeah. do. There's a lot of them. Yeah, and they're not, it's not going to cost you too much. It's not that expensive. Mm. And what you can do is you can, over time, you can work out whether if this works or it may work well, but you might be able to refine it. Tweak it. And, you know, you need to get yep. the data, though, to tell you how to refine it. The performance metrics. Yeah, you need the metrics. And um, and because uh, this is the sort of stuff I want to talk about in the second half mm. because this all comes down to great ideas start off with good instincts. They turn into great ideas and they've got to be executed into um, performance. So you, and you, sometimes you need a, a specialist to come and help perform these things for you. But, you know, you've got to measure it. then you've got to measure the fucking thing. And, you know, there's no point measuring it. Um, uh, 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 there's no point doing it unless you're going to measure it. Correct. Um, don't do it once and say, oh, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? Yes. Was it maybe I've, I was sending them out at 5 a.m. I should have been sending them out at 6 a.m. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and so what you might want to do is send them out at five, six, and seven. See which one works the best. The good agency. Good agency, yeah. We'll explain all of that and said, hey, listen, out of your five grand, let's just put 500 and do an A-B testing on time. Yeah. We'll go yep. three different times, as you said, and we'll see which one works. And then we'll put the rest of the budget on that. Um, so it's patience. It's really understanding. But, you, but there's also, you mentioned the framework around your customer, knowing your customer. But what about the framework or understanding who your future customer is going to be? Mm. Right? So I'm busy. My wife is busy. We've got three kids. If I'm coming home from meeting work and it's my turn to cook, if your mate Joe has put together a little box of ingredients for, for me to pick up and I can just whip it together and da-da-da and I know it's going to be fresh, it's good, my kids will love it, I'll pick it up. That's another genre again Yep. because that's fixing a problem for me. So it's also about challenging who you want your future customer to be and how do you talk to them to bring them in to sell something else. Which is that's an interesting. I mean, I don't want to keep picking on Joe, but that's a, that's actually good because I know Joe does builds hampers at Christmas time and uh, mm. he, like he does tons of them, right, Christmas hampers. Um, and, uh, I mean, like Joe's on Crown Street, so you get a lot of drive-by traffic. You can actually park out the front of Joe's place too, so you can stop and pick shit up. But, like, it could be a situation where Joe says, you know what, I'm Italian, he's Italian, and uh, I know how to make the world's best pasta, or my wife knows how to make the world's best pasta, whatever. This is our recipe. Yes. We're going to have the pasta, the sauce, the cheese. And some fresh veggies. And the meat, yep. and the yep. chopped up vegetables, yep. which the kids will never recognise because yes. it's going to be mixed with the meat. <laughs> it's all going to be set up. Mm-hmm. It's in a box. And it's $22 or something. Like if you target those individuals, your new customers, and people go, oh, fuck, I can park here because these are characteristics of his business. And that's the innovation I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I say, you know, if you can find a trusted person to help you do that, yeah, it's worth every dollar, every time. Um, because then it, foc- it lets you focus on what you're good at. So Joe, I'm coming in for my coffee, mate. There's a good plug here. Yeah, totally. We've got to go to the break, obviously, because we have sponsors. Um, and, yes. uh, and when we come back from the break, I want to talk about what Talisman does for its clients and how important is, A, the data, A, gathering the data, the analytics of the data, and then how do you apply the analytics of the data? And, uh, and I tr- we're going to try and ask you as to what do you think small businesses could learn from this. We go to the break, we come straight back. Okay, mate. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We're back from the break and we're talking to Darwinist from Talisman. Now, before I go on, name Talisman, which is the name of your new business. 
Can you just quickly describe your business, what you do, and maybe if you're able to, tell us about a couple of your clients. Yeah, sure. So we've got two sides of the business, a sports marketing side, which is brokering sponsorship deals, i.e. stickers on a car, stickers, badges on a jersey, brokering those deals that you see in big professional sports around the world. For example? For example, Formula One. Um, and then and then activating them as well for the so sponsor. Man- managing the Managing process. the activation. So right now, Toomey is one of our clients. They um, uh, have got a licensing agreement with McLaren to make the McLaren Toomey Special Edition Super Duper bags, which look amazing. Uh, Toomey, T-U-M-I. Yeah, yeah. T-U-M-I, the, the, tr- the luggage company. The, the tr- yeah, I use that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but now we've got to activate it around the world. So how do we promote it? How do we talk about it? How do we you know, run competitions around the world? So that activation and the sponsorship side of it is one side of my business. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of what I've been doing, you know, for the last sort of 10 years of my career. And then the other side of the business is a technology company. So we're building tech around AI and machine learning. Um, and it's a software, it's a service business, so it's a SaaS model and uh, Formula One teams will use our technology uh, for them to get a better, uh, to make better decisions with their data so you can engineer advantage on the track. And the performance. The track. Performance. So um, the data might sort I don't know, I'm making shit up here, but the data might say that uh, one, of, one of the competitors of one of your clients is uh, taking the corners one metre earlier and two metres closer or something like that, and which means they go around the corner half a quarter of a second faster or something and same sort of uh same sort of thinking yes yeah. so so i mean with data-driven sports like formula one like sailing sail gp is the same sort of thing yep um you know in an average formula on average a formula one car has about 300 sensors collecting data at any one right. time right 40 years ago uh, it was 15 to 20 sensors collecting data so you know when you look at formula one you know I, it's, it's the biggest science experiment on the planet right now. A lot of people think that during a Formula One race, a decision on what happens on lap 24 when you're on lap 23 happens in the race, in the garage with the race director. But it actually happens 2,000 miles away in mission control in the UK because decisions cannot be made in a pressured environment because that's where mistakes happen. So the decisions are made with people on a keyboard crunching data. Um, and then the, the strategy is then fed in to the garage, which is then fed in to you know, Daniel Ricciardo. So, so for example, Daniel Ricciardo will have an earpiece in yes, and uh, he's got a bug in his ear and uh, someone's talking to him the whole time. Yes, yes, yeah, the voice of God. Uh, yeah, 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 is trust, that right? He's trusting that voice and that, yep. you know, so Tom Stallard at McLaren is talking to Daniel. So in terms of, I guess there's not much room for error here, but like we're talking about seconds so like uh, less than that, less than that, less than that. So and his response, he has to respond quickly to the instruction. Yeah. So I mean, look, when the next lap is going to be lap twenty three, and you're on lap twenty two, the machine in in the UK has already spat out the perfect simulation of the perfect lap. They've done three thousand plus simulations of the perfect lap, and they and they look at about twenty years worth of data, whether that's you know they look at publicly available data from the Singapore GP for the last 10 years. They look at weather. They look at what Red Bull's doing. They look at what the car behind you is doing. So the mach- it's, it's all algorithmic predictions. And then it spits out the perfect lap. 
and the human in the UK will tell the human in the garage, um, hey, the next lap we're going to keep on the inside of X, Y, Z, and then that person tells the driver on the next lap uh, you're going to keep on the inside of the whatever, the next turn and, and whatnot, and it's a very simple human instruction. So today the best teams do that in about seven or eight seconds from human to human to human. Um, but some of the stuff that we're doing can cut all of that down. So you're um, doing machine, you're building um, uh, software platforms that, that incorporate machine learning. Machine learning and, and AI. Right, and artificial intelligence that actually um, builds conclusions to tell, um, to cut the person to person to person, human to human to human down from yeah. eight seconds to some other yeah, number. That, that's one of the products. I mean, one well, you, you'll see in a couple of weeks' time in Monaco, I'm on, can't say too much and yep. can't say who, but there is a, a our products being used uh, in the Monaco Grand Prix because right now today um, humans are still doing stuff that the machine should be doing so the human can be freed up to do better and more productive things. It's called automation. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's, there's thousands of radio messaging happening in a, in a, in a race at any one time. And uh, if you're Red Bull and I'm Ferrari, I can listen to your radio messages and you can listen to Oh, mine. really? Yeah. All right. But I might be using codes for certain things. Yeah, yeah. Blue pineapple. Yeah, yeah. If I say blue pineapple a few times, you're going to figure out that that's some, it's connected to something. So there's millions, um, not millions, thousands of radio messages happening in a race. And today, all the teams have got humans listening to it and listening for key words. Box, box, or tire deg, tire deg, or I'm coming in. The human will make a decision around what that strategy is based on what they're hearing from other teams. We've created a, a dashboard that does that uh, from voice to text to strategy in real time. Our AI also picks up accents um, and emotion. Um, so, you know, if a, if, a, if, a, if a loud Italian in Ferrari is getting really passionate about a safety car coming on, um, we can pick that emotion up, put it into strategy, and it'll come up on the dashboard. That's it. And um, so this is your software. Your, yes. your, your You guys at Talisman are one building this products, yeah. one of your products. And and I guess what you're doing here is you're selling that product into someone else so they can perform better. I mean, they pay a license fee or something, do they? Yes. Yeah, yeah so it's a licensing business mm -hmm. that sort of licenses performance off the back of data. Yeah, so everyone's using a lot of data today. Yeah. But a lot of it is still analytics. So, you know, you, if you are a football team, if you're an NBA team or a Formula One team or a cricket team, everyone's using data analytic tools today, right? Um, you see guys measuring their, their GPS. distance. Yeah, GPS. because I know our football team wear GPS straps. Yeah, yep. you would know that, yep. yes. But then you get all this information. What are you actually doing with that yeah. information? Right, so we're not trying to compete with a data collection uh, type of companies. They're, they're, they're necessary for what we do. We want to sit on top of all of that and say, right, you've got all of this data. What type of decisions are you making? And are they good decisions? And are they decisions made by humans or are they decisions made by data? Now, my chief data scientist, Mary Allen, always says, data is always talking. You've just got to learn how to listen. Mm. And that's kind of what we do on that side of the business. That's a very interesting. And, and I guess, I mean, you were saying earlier before the podcast started uh, about uh, 
was it Manchester City or something like that? They're mm. all they're all going way way out there in terms of employing these sorts of individuals. What do you what do you? Yeah, hearing? I mean, you remember the movie Moneyball? Yep, uh, you sure do. And um, and 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 that's happening today. That's that's starting. We're starting to see that today. So Manchester City, I believe, and Liverpool have both hired a data scientist and an astrophysicist. Um, and I think one or the other, I forgot which one, are doing it uh, to look at injury, to sort of predict injuries, I believe. Um, and then we, we also saw a Manchester City player who went out and hired his own data scientist to negotiate his contract to, 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 to determine. Based on the number of meters he have it. Well, to determine what his worth is. Yeah, yeah. Based on, on data. Relative to everybody else. Relative to everybody else. So this is, you know, this is money ball. This is the world we're moving into. We're moving into. And, um, and what we're saying is, hey, it's all going in that direction anyway. You all want to, you know, da- data is expensive unless it's being used for a particular reason. Or otherwise, you're just paying storage. Yeah, your data, and 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 a lot of people go. Well, the more data we have, the better job we must be doing. Well, no, because you're not. What are you doing with that data? And that's yeah, kind yeah. of where we come in. We 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 build a the AI that sits on top of people's data and, and help them make better decisions. It's uh, it's pretty out there stuff though. Um, it's moved a long way from what you said earlier. Um, you know, effectively, you were learning your craft as a, as a salesperson many mm. many years ago. This is sort of getting into mathematics and um. Um, engineering, yes. To be honest, yes. like it's real engineering, yes. Like it's where proper engineers today, where they all head towards, correct. Um, and uh, and the engineers are going. To, uh, for me, engineers are going to take over the world. I think. Yes. Uh, the, if you've got a kid, get the kid into yes. engineering. Listen up, kids. Engineering is the game. Correct. Um, and and engineering right, right down to health services. You know, just particularly machine learning, mm. I mean, how our brain works, for example, how, how our body works, how, how it responds. Um, but, I mean, a, a real-time review would be the best. Real-time review would be the best. That's the pinnacle of where we want to get yeah. to. Yeah, like, not, not half-time, not a yeah. full-time, not Monday morning when you do the video reviews after you won or lost the mm. game, mm. but during the game. During the game. So, so I, mean, I mean, I'm not a rugby person. I'm a, an AFL, AFL. person. So to give, same deal, though. Same, so, so to give you an analogy, right, every time – Essendon plays. That's your uh, team. It's my team uh, against the Swans, and Betty Franklin plays. We know he's going to kick a thousand goals. Um, so, and he's does done that consistently, right? So, what can we do to to mitigate that? What does the data tell us? Um, so, I don't think we. I mean, it's it's a it's a long way to go because I don't know how much data the AFL teams collect today, um, and that's certainly some uh, being a. Well, they, they wear GPS. Yes. Um, okay, we know that, but but what's a strategy around yeah, yeah, yeah. it? What are they doing with that information? So my head is still in Formula One, but because I'm a passionate AFL player, I'm going to go down that road. And Would the gaming people it. be sort of looking at this, like people who are running betting agencies or, or people who, who are punters? Um, got it. They've all got it. So they're all algorith- algorithms and predictions, right? If X, Y, Z happens consistently with LeBron James and when he's playing against the Clippers, the likelihood of this thing, incident happening is this and it's a probability game it's a probability game and then you, and then it, and it's just what's your appetite for risk yeah so, yeah, so yeah. a lot of a lot, mate, almost all the major betting companies have got a data scientist and so data it's a new thing it's 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 actually a new business it, we never had this stuff it's exploding on. yeah totally data is exploding yeah every day there's more and more data i mean you know you have a look at these um 
data storage companies killing it. Yeah, yeah. They're making so much money yeah, today. Yeah, totally. It's a massive business. So, and, my point, business. and that's going back to my earlier point. Data is expensive yeah. unless you're doing something yeah. with it. And, yeah. you know, it's astonishing. I've had so many conversations with, you know, won't mention names, but um, teams, you know, across different sports disciplines. I'm like, well, oh, we got tons of data. We know this player is going to do that or we know this driver is going to do that or we know this car is going to do that. Great. But what does that mean? What what are you trying to achieve here? How are you creating advantage for your product off the back of it? Or well, yeah, I mean, even you know, you have a look at one of one of the things that we're we're developing as well is around fan engagement. Oh, well, sorry, F- what? fan engagement. Right. My theory is this: if you are a if I'm watching an Essendon game, and you know, and they're losing, my family don't go anywhere near me. But if they're winning, I am emotionally so attached to that brand and connected to that brand, why isn't anyone selling me anything? Yeah, totally, because you're, you're totally vulnerable. I will do it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so there's, you know, we're trying to understand what an e-commerce overlay, you know, you've seen a lot of stuff around tokens now and crypto and NFTs. Where is the, where's the, that cross-section of consumerism, emotion, sports and entertainment? coming together, that cross-section, that pinnacle where the consumer is in control uh, and, and the brand is having that one-on-one conversation with them through technology, that's where we want to get to. Yeah, because so, you're right. Like it's – I'm at my most receptive when the Roosters win. Yes. Um, so like and, – and I can actually ruin my whole weekend if we lose. But equally, it can make my weekend. I concur. I can so sleep really well. I have, a, I have a better sleep if we win. <laughs> yes. It sounds silly. but yes. uh, no, And I'm receptive at that point. Mm. So if someone said you want to buy you – know, I'm on the board, it's a bit different for me. But like if you wanted to buy something that's a, a commemorative thing, um, I, I'm more than likely to buy that from the Roosters, by the way, like or, or anything else from anybody else. Well, you're seeing a lot of that now. I mean, are you, f- are you familiar with NFTs, the, the, the digital tokens? I mean, you see, now you're going to see a lot of that sort of stuff coming into it as well. Do you want to own a piece of that moment in history? Yeah. Um, and it and it's you know so so it's it's getting there, in a, and I call it connected consumerism. And going back to the small business conversation, the first half of the show. How do you better understand people today when they're more connected on devices? By 2025, I read somewhere there's going to be 80 billion connected devices. People are going to be doing everything online and not just online, on their mobile. Yeah. Mobile usage is going to, you know, that's going to be your office. That's going to be your school. That's going to be your best friend. That's going to be your grocery store. And your enemy. And your enemy. Um, it's going to certainly be, it's going to be like having a massive backpack. <laughs> but it's only going to be this big. This and it's going to weigh nothing. Um, well, let's just go back to Joe, the grocer, then for a second. Um, I mean, Joe's never going to be able to play in this game because at this stage, because until people like your business, Talisman, starts to develop for big businesses um, software that they can use and then they can be licensed to, and then they can, until that happens, and then someone else comes along and sort of democratizes that product for everybody to use. Yes. Um, Joe's never going to get access to that type of stuff because it's just going to – won't make sense in the beginning. But at the same time, though, Joe could be collecting data about people um, and their habits and what they do and they don't like. I mean, you could – and this sounds a little silly, but Joe could have a pad in his at his counter and he could be writing things down about interactions with people. Uh, 
there's Darwin. What's he wearing today? Black, black, black. Good mood, bad mood. Yeah. You could build up a little profile on Darwin each day and everybody else comes in the shop. And if you, it's just a simple thing. You just write down tick, 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 tick. That's, yeah. all, that's all data does. That, that's a, well, but the reality is he's not going to have the time to do that, to that level of detail. So you've got to start somewhere, right? The, the somewhere is the initial data collection. It could be a QR code, right? So I'm coming in to buy a coffee. Hey, um, there's an incentive for me to scan the QR code because I'm going to get a, a discount on my coffee. I'm going to get a, an upgrade on my coffee. I'm going to get a cookie Rewind, or whatever. Or just, you know what? Hey, I'm building a database. I'm just trying to- So I understand you guys. Customer. Yeah, I just want to do, I just want to serve you a little bit better. And do you mind scanning that so I can sort of, you know, add you to my marketing list? Be honest. And once you have that, then the next layer would be, okay, let's send them a note. Hey, I'm just doing a short questionnaire uh, around what are some of the times of the day that you- think you would want to come in and why and three or four key questions. And for that, I'd love to give you a 20% discount on your next coffee. Yeah. Thank you for supporting me. Bang. Now you've got the next layer of information. You keep doing that and refining it and refining it. But the, the, the first touch point needs to be a, a very simple, as you check out, you know, someone really bubbly saying, do you mind scanning that? You've got an incentive. Make it, got to make it simple for them. And it, it's, it's actually interesting because – I can see a question that says, you know, what did you hate about your experience today or the last week or what did you love? Um, yes. You know, People uh, don't like asking that question. They don't like getting bad. Well, yeah, but you got to. But you got to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'd like to know what you hate about the experience or what you loved about the experience. Um, but I'd, I actually would like to know what you hated about the experience. It's sort of an interesting exercise I think that people should do. I, I actually think they should do it even if they did it once or twice. It's actually an interesting way of actually introducing yourself to the stuff that we're talking about. Mm. And it's – not that difficult. Well, now everyone's scanning their bloody QR codes anyway. to sit down anyway. Yeah. Hey, can you scan the second one too? And yeah. The incentive and the reason why? Yeah, it's just put in front of it. Like <laughs> it, it. there's nothing in it. There's no yeah. big deal. Where do you think data is I – mean, it's scary, but is data going to take over our world? Like is uh, is everything going to be about data? Are we going to lose the personal touch or is data – is the idea of getting – or is the idea of data to increase your personal touch? I, I think it's to enhance your personal touch. Uh, I think the data the data's already here. Uh, it's already taken over our world. It's everywhere around us. Um, so you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. I mean, we're, we're you and I are creating data right now. Yeah. You probably don't even know about it. Um, but it's about how stakeholders that want to communicate with you use that data and, and that will determine what type of personal touch it is. Yep. Right? One thing is for sure, without doubt, Marketing today is about one-on-one conversations. Explain I, that. So gone are the days where you'd go, hey, here's a coffee. Everyone, you know, likes coffee. Uh, if, if you want a coffee, come and buy a coffee from me. And here's an ad for a coffee, right? But it's, it's more personalized. So now. it should be like Mark. Mark. You like know, directed to me. Yeah, and the, the, how, how do you – and this technology and social media that can do all of that sort of stuff. Hey, Mark, you know, it's it's before you leave for work today, do you want to swing past and pick up a coffee? It's there. And a lot of that stuff should be automated, you know, yep. and, and if it's not, it will get there soon. So that personalized – and I feel good. Oh, man, I just got a text from Joe. Yeah, cool. totally. <laughs> yeah, That's cool, cool. I'll be there soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but bot's doing that. Yeah, but is, are you talking like like DM me through Instagram or something like that? or It could be that yeah. or it could be, you know, 
an app, um, you know. So, you know, in the mornings now, if I'm going to drive or Saturday mornings when I want to drive my kid to swimming and I, and I, and I turn on Waze, Waze knows what I'm going to do. And it goes, ding, do you yep. want to go to the swimming center? Yep. Click yes. So it, it's all, the, the AI is already picking it up. Yep. So soon that one-on-one personalization is going to take over our lives. Everything will be curated. Do you think it's better? I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I like it because I don't have, I'm time poor. And, and, but do you feel intruded? Do you think? Do you th- I mean, some people would hate it's it. Scary. Yeah. How it's do you feel scary. about that? I mean, you know, I'm not. I. I What's the trade off? Yeah. Look, I think go and live, you know, on a mountain and unplug. I don't know, but if you're going to live in modern society, do you unplug? I don't unplug. No, I'm terrified to unplug. Yeah. Really? Do you unplug? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't look at my phone after a certain time at night uh, on purpose. Yes. Um, I don't. I try not to look at my phone before a certain time in the morning. Um, sometimes I do. Though, yes. Yeah. Um, I try not to look at it that much on a weekend. Um, when I go to my farm, it's nearly impossible to look at it because I, I can't get um, data. <laughs> like there's no, you know, there's just it's hard. It's just hard to get data because yeah. of where I'm located. Um, NBN's not there yet, um, or anything else for that matter. Um, but. <laughs> But you just go with it, you're saying. No, no, no. I, I, I put my phone – I'm up at 5 a.m. every day. Yep. Um, I'm that lunatic that gets up early. But I'm also in bed by 9.15, 9.30, yep. which is a bit boring. Um, no, but that's how you get up that early. That's how I get up that early. But I, my phone will go into sleep mode so I don't get any tings and all that sort of stuff. And recently I've started to put the phone in the other room. Instead of plugging it by the side of my bed, because it's important to get the sleep, and um, symbolically that's important too. I think. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. I put it over there. I'm, I'm actually putting it out of my life. I am detaching. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I try to do that. Um, you know, I'm. I can get better at it. But I mean, look, I, I, I it, on the Easter break we went to Kangaroo Valley, and it was the first time in for as long as I can remember that I had four days of unplug. Yeah, because no access probably. There's no bloody access down there. It was terrifying. Forced. Yeah, yeah, terrifying. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Look, I don't think too much about it. I mean, it's part of me. It's part of my life. You know, I'm in the data business. I mean, I'm I'm a CEO of a technology company. I've I've lived in a world of sports with data and science and connectivity and all that sort of – I mean, I love it. I'm addicted to it. For me, I am addicted to the future. I'm addicted to the technology that's going to come out. I'm constantly thinking about – Tomorrow, what is it going to look like tomorrow? What is the advantage tomorrow? How do how do how can I help brands, my customers? How can I teach my children what to expect about technology and where it's going? And sometimes it's pretty scary because um, you know we're already living in a pretty intrusive world today. Where I, you know in five seconds I can find out anything I want about you uh, by making a phone call because there's people that can do that, um, or, or the data will do that as well. So, I mean, I'm addicted to that. I'm scared by it, but I think you need to be a bit scared by it. Um, and, um, but it's also extremely exciting. So let me ask you this question. Do, can I ask you a question? Yeah, please do. Yeah. your podcast. But, yeah, no, go, no, go for okay. it. Um, I, and I love asking this question to smart people that I meet. The world is a different place today than it was not so long ago. What are some of the lessons you think will come out of – COVID that you think will help 
you know, is, it could be a new technology, a new way of thinking. What What are some of the lessons here that a small business owner or your listeners should uh, should should really sit up and take attention to? I think one of the lessons, and I don't I don't want to sound like I'm um, blowing my own trumpet, but is to listen to podcasts like this and people like you, okay. like because it's impossible for small business owners who work, I'm sorry, in their business as opposed to working on their business, they're working in their business seven days a week usually and um, they're just getting smashed with bad statements and every other bloody thing there is in the world, um, none of which really make any money or serve, even service a customer. So how are you going to keep abreast with the things that you're you're keeping abreast of? And um, therefore they need to listen to podcasts where it gets hopefully gets disseminated by me and you or more importantly using me to get it from you, disseminate what you're spending a lifetime on. You've spent a lifetime on watching data and you've started off as a sales guy when there's probably not much data or there's a little bit of data around but you were just being instinctive and putting part matching, being a matchmaker. Now it's still being a matchmaker but using something much more sophisticated in terms of tools. And you've spent a lifetime doing it. And uh, I think what small business – one of the things that's come out of COVID is you've got to be able to cut through all the stuff. There's just too much stuff to read and watch and listen to. You've got to be in a position to be able to disem- get someone who can disseminate what's valuable to you. What do I need to know and who's going to tell me? Yes. And sort of is what my, my show is about. What I'm trying to do with my show is actually to f- I can be get that access. Mental. I can get ac- – yeah, correct. I can get access to you. They can't. But I'm going to give them access to you by me bringing you in and me talking to you and then you give them the, the wisdom of your – 20, 20, 25 years in the, your industry and everything that you've learned. But not only that, it's not, you're not just someone who's been in the industry. You're actually at the top of your industry. You've been working with the best, the biggest, you know, as you said, astrophysicists and you know, data scientists and engineers and big names who have big budgets. So efficiency of time and now learning what you need to know about yes. is a really big lesson for small businesses today and finding those places, not just one place, those places where you can get that stuff. And that becomes data for them, but in a narrative. Access to knowledge and trusted knowledge because you know what? Without an agenda. It's a noisy world. Yeah. It's hard enough to run your business today. It's a noisy world. There's a lot of shit going on. Um, You've got a million things to worry about. If you can dedicate time to go and listen, I do it today. You know, there's there's a, there's a few places, a few voices that I trust yep. and I listen to because it's it's mathematically impossible for your brain to run a business and keep up with all the trends and all the things that are happening and all of the advancements and changes. It's noisy. It's difficult. Cut it down. Find two or three voices, as you said, Mark, and uh, and that's where you get your information from. But you need to get it and write one thing down. That's it. One, just one thing will do me. Thanks very much. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks for I really enjoyed me, it. Yeah, me too. And Joe, I'm coming in for my coffee. Good <laughs> man. Joe, Joe, look after you. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.